Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio Podcasts. This podcast is focused on From Carer to Trailblazer, One Man's Fight to Impact Clinical Research from the 2022 Patients as Partners Europe Conference. For more information about the Patients as Partners Europe Conference, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit theconferenceforum.org. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Before we dive into the questions, let me introduce you, Klaas. So for that, I need to take my uh, my notes here uh, because Ro has many many roles. So Klaas Röll is a founder and chairman of the Austrian patient organization NF Kinder, as well as the European umbrella organization called NF Patients United. He is also a board member of the European reference network Genturis, that stands for Genetic Tumor Risk Syndromes. And he's member of the RAINS, the Response Evaluation in Neurofibromatosis and Schwannomatosis Group. He's also chairman of UPATI Austria, and he's member of ProRare Austria, and possibly a few more roles on the top of uh, another role that uh, is not mentioned here, which is being a father of a little girl with neurofibromatosis. So his goal is really to improve lives of people affected by this rare disease called neurofibromatosis one. So with that uh, list of roles that you have class, I am really wondering like, how did it all start? Yeah, thank you, Renata. Also uh, welcome everybody. Um, and thank you for inviting me to speak about uh, my role as a caregiver in the fight against neurofibromatosis. So it all started when my first daughter was born in 2009. And, Everybody who has a child uh, himself or herself knows that once you become a parent, health, the child's health becomes the most important thing in life. So while uh, directly after birth, everything seems to be perfectly fine and normal, we were, you know, uh, over the moon and, and so happy. But then suddenly when my daughter was about three months old, suddenly so-called cafe au lait spots, which are uh, skin marks, started to appear on her skin. Uh, and it got more and more, and so we got concerned. And what you do nowadays, you go online, you try to find answers uh, using Google, and we soon found that um, Caffeolet spots are first indicator for a rare disease called neuropeptomatosis type 1, which can cause many different symptoms, mainly tumors that can occur anywhere on the nerves in the body, and that can really affect the quality of life, can be very disfiguring and uh, disabling. So we found pictures of, of, of very severely affected uh, uh, patients and were terrified, of course. And then really our odyssey started. We went from doctor to doctor to find answers, to find somebody who is, you know, experienced with this rare disease. And that's a hard thing to do. So it took us a while, but uh, luckily we found uh, competent doctors at the uh, neuro uh, oncological department of the medical university clinic here in Vienna, Austria. And for the first time we were in the hands of people who knew about NF. Um, so yeah, and then uh, our lives changed again because my daughter belongs to the about 20% of NF1 patients who develop brain tumors at the early age. And my daughter's case, she was just two years old when uh, uh, tumors appeared uh, on the uh, MRI scan on both of her optic nerves, which can lead to blindness. 
and then two other tumors appeared. So we had to start a chemotherapy for 18 months. And it was really in that time when I experienced firsthand what it's like to have a child with a rare disease where like really nobody feels responsible and there's not much going on in terms of interaction, uh, providing information for, for families, uh, continuous research, etc. So um, I was so inspired by um, accompanying my daughter going through this chemotherapy at this young age and really uh, facing these challenges with so much bravery and, and optimism and strength. So I thought if my daughter at the age of two years can do that, uh, I can try to set up a patient organization and do everything I can to support her and others with this rare disease. So that was when the idea was born. And then of course, uh, um, it was just uh, the start when my daughter's chemotherapy was finished. We had sort of a normal life again. That was when I thought the time was right to, to, to get going. Uh, and then I set up um, the organization NF Kinder and tried to prepare myself because I don't have a health uh, professional background. So I wanted to understand what is this disease. I wanted to understand how does research and development work. So uh, what do I need to know in order to uh, take this uh, responsibility uh, in my role as a patient representative? So I did all available trainings like UPATI, Eurotis uh, Summer School, Winter School. I did a fundraising training and just did everything I could to learn more. And uh, yeah, and that was really the first steps. Wow. So your daughter was the inspiration kind of of, of, that, of that energy and, and power. So um, rare diseases are rare by definition that there are fortunately not many patients, but also not much knowledge and expertise. So you mentioned how difficult it was to find support. What, is, what was it that you were looking for in those early days? What would you have liked to have? Well, first of all, just access to information. Like it was really hard to, to find like uh, information that is not terrifying, that really meets you where you are at this moment. Like you're mm -hmm. terrified already. So you don't want to look at, you know, worst case scenarios. You want to get a good overview of what this disease is like with all, you know, there are severe uh, cases, of course, unfortunately, but there's also mild cases of this disease. And if you just show one spectrum, then you get a very distorted picture of a disease. So it's important to have access to, you know, uh, uh, holistic information and accurate information that are presented to you in a, you know, um, sensitive way. And uh, and then, of course, uh, as I described, the, the the road until you find a diagnosis can be very long in rare diseases. On average, it's still three to five years. We were lucky because we were also very proactive. So. Um, and it's, it's hard because you have to understand when you um, find out something's wrong with your child and then when you receive the diagnosis, this is really a life-changing event. It, uh, uh, it leaves no, you know, how you say, like no stone unturned. It's mm -hmm. everything changes. And, and to have support, to have someone that you can, you know, contact who can like uh, give you orientation and, and tells you, well, you're at this stage right now, but we have a network of people who can help you. Uh, these are the next steps. These are the like the, the control uh, checkups that you need to do in these intervals. And if you need anything, you can call. 
a group of people and mm -hmm. this is what we really set up uh, to provide this uh, network support network with our organization and kinder here in austria so what other people would possibly keep looking at best you just created what you didn't have and what you felt is needed so i guess that is the patient organization now could you tell us what nf kinder does today yeah i'm happy to like you you put it perfectly i think uh, patients and caregivers they just from first-hand experience know what's missing so uh mm -hmm. When I started NF Kinder, I, I, I thought I wanted to set up an organization from patients and caregivers for patients and caregivers. And I invite everyone in Austria who has NF1 or NF2 or schwannomatosis, the three diseases that we are taking care of, to contact us and to contribute and to let us know what their ideas are so that we can you know, work on future projects. But the first and most important like vision that we had was that we thought, well, there are about three to 4,000 people in Austria affected by NF1. It's one of the most common rare diseases. But there was no single center in Austria that was really specialized on neurofibromatosis. So that was something we felt is missing. Um, if patients with a rare disease are seen in a department that has a focus on something else, well, then it's always like the second important thing. And, and uh, that's why I think it's, it's just important that there's a specialized service. So we started negotiating with the Medical University of Vienna. We had done some collaborations, smaller collaborations in the past and could prove that we are a valuable partner. And so we were able to yeah, um, negotiate this, this contract where we said, well, this is our role. This is what we would like you to do. And the goal is that we have a special department or center of expertise for neurofibromatosis. Um, and um, we managed to do this. It took like one year and then we managed to finally also secure the necessary funds because we didn't receive any government support. Uh, so um, like I think in many countries, departments are being closed and it, everything is rationalized and, and budgets are short. So to set up a new department for rare disease was just, it didn't, we, I didn't find any open ears in the health policy sector. So I, I, again, I thought, well, if we can manage to raise the necessary funds to uh, pay for the necessary staff, uh, then let's do it that way before we wait for years and years and years and nothing will happen. So we were able in 2018 to start the uh, NF Kinder Center of Expertise in Vienna. We have now two days per week where we, um, where we offer a... Uh, 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 you know, patient visits, uh, mm -hmm. and we do, we were able to not only provide state-of-the-art medical care, but also psychosocial care. So there's also always a psychologist present at, at the visits. We have a social worker that we also finance, and we really are able to provide the whole spectrum, like a one-stop shop, uh, and the whole case management that is so important for mm -hmm. rare disease, because Many rare diseases, the diseases are multisystemic, are complex. It's not just one specialist that you need. It's a whole array of specialists. So you need to coordinate all these assessments and then you need to, you need somebody who can really keep an overview on everything and discuss the next steps with the families. So this was, this was one important um, part that we managed to do. And just last year, we were able to set up the first a rehabilitation service for pediatric NF patients mm -hmm. here in Austria. And, and that started really well last year. And 
Um, and it's a five-week rehabilitation stay where children can enter not only if they have medical issues, but also if they have neuropsychological or mental health issues. So really we can offer support for any issues um, those uh, children or pediatric patients with NF1 might have. Um, it's also important to understand that it's not only important to have a, a clinic that is specialized for a rare disease like NF. Um, in the best case, you have like annual assessments and if everything is, uh, is good, uh, you're like uh, on your own for one year again. But being on your own with a diagnosis like rare disease, it means a lot of pressure. It means a lot of psychological pressure, anxiety, what will the future bring? Many rare diseases, just like NF1, are very unpredictable, and you cannot really tell what's going to happen in the future. So we, we uh, understood that it's important to have also support programs outside of the clinic. So we set up several psychological or psychosocial programs like a family weekend where uh, families with children who are affected with NF1 can have a really nice long weekend together with uh, um, psychological support and, and where they can really sometimes for the first time meet another family that also has a child that is mm -hmm. affected by NF. So this really creates immediately like a bond and mm -hmm. they make new friends. They learn from other perspectives. How do other parents deal with this? Uh, and they stay in contact uh, a lot of the times uh, um, uh, um, when they visit our um, family weekends. We offer the same for youth patients from 8 to 18 years old. We have a social competence uh, uh, program. Um, so we really try to um, see what is needed. Uh, we ask the community and then we try to make it happen. And of course, the only limit that we have is the budget, the funds. So fundraising is just like an, a necessity and it's a lot of work and it's uh, I wish I wouldn't have to do it <laughs> because that it would uh, leave more room and more energy for other aspects uh, that are maybe more fun. Um, but it's just so important, especially in a country like Austria, we don't have any basic finance program by our government. So we're really also left alone in terms of organizing uh, and, and um, gen generating our own funds and our own budget to work with. Mm -hmm. Wow, so really, I mean, I was impressed, I'm impressed every time I hear, hear what you offer. So it really goes from creating awareness, educating and building specialties. It's uh, providing support and then also creating a network. So it's really the, the holistic approach. And I understand NF United, Patients United, that's kind of extension of what you do in Austria. So you didn't stay within the borders of your country, but you really also continue working on this beyond. Could you tell us what NF Patients is, the NF Patients United is about? Yes, of course. So um, there are several, or basically in most European countries, there are patient organizations for neurofibromatosis. And, uh, they used to work more in silos and, and in parallel, and there was little interaction. So um, together with some other patient organizations uh, from the UK, from the Netherlands, from Italy, we uh, set up NF Patients United as an umbrella, umbrella organization for patient organizations who are dedicated for NF. And our goal was to use synergies whenever possible and work together and also learn from our best practices. So we are now 14 members from 12 different countries. 
we conduct uh, a joint awareness campaigns and in, and soon we are going to launch the first joint uh, a fundraising campaign we uh, interact with researchers for example in the uh, as you mentioned in introduction the european reference network genturis mm -hmm. uh, so we are currently working on clinical guidelines for tumor management in nf1 um, we are working on setting up a uh, European NF patient registry with the European Reference Network and Tourists. Uh, we work with the RAINS group to, uh, to um, have a discussion and a dialogue with the researchers to uh, identify what are uh, patient important outcomes that should be looked at in clinical trials. What is the best method to measure these? And what are the best patient reported outcomes that we also should always um, measure when we conduct clinical trials so that in, in the future uh, clinical research can accelerate more quickly because the results of clinical trials will become comparable if there's just an international agreement on how to conduct clinical trials. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's basically what we try to accomplish with NF patients United working together across boundaries because rare diseases also don't care about borders. They affect people all around the world. So we also shouldn't care about borders. We should work together and, uh, and use units whenever possible. Absolutely, I think I could subscribe immediately to that. So you not only are providing the support for patients today, but also really thinking of those future patients and uh, develop kind of methodology and input for clinical trials. Um, what was what is in your experience what, what lessons did you learn that you think are important for others who might have similar ideas and uh, would want to support future treatment options uh, for possibly other indications what have you learned well i think it's like what i've learned is that you never stop learning it's really like mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities uh, luckily here in europe where you can learn everything about research and development uh, as a patient representative, so you wrote this and uh, you parted, as I mentioned before, are just great opportunities. I would like to encourage every patient representative to, to utilize those, those educational programs. Um, the other thing is to really um, uh, don't hesitate and, and, and yeah, just try. Uh, don't be afraid to fail because, of course, not everything works out, but I think we need to try everything we can to to make an improvement and to push things forward and there's something where i feel sometimes people are too uh too much hesitating and I think well mm -hmm. i'm not sure if this is going to work out well you never will will never know unless mm -hmm. you try <laughs> and that was really something when i started to talk about you know with my family and friends that i want to change my life and start a patient organization there was really no single person that told me that's a great idea class you should really do that it was like do you think that will work and i was like i don't know but if i'm not trying i will never forgive myself uh, because I, I i would feel like i failed as a father if i didn't try everything i can so yeah keep learning keep utilizing the 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 existing options build your network and yeah and use synergies uh, and i think there's you can create a win-win situation with all stakeholders with academic research with pharmaceutical companies with other patient organizations with health politicians i think it's just patients need to um be more confident uh, and understand that they are experts as well 
For more information about the Patients as Partners Europe Conference, our editorial, podcasts, and webinars, please visit theconferenceforum.org. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed the podcast.